Returning to Tradition is a production of Weather Media. The views expressed in this podcast are those speaking the podcast world and make every effort to present truthful understanding. What we discuss, the podcast not necessarily represents the views of the Diocese of Columbus or Pacific College Josephine. Enjoy today's show and please follow the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Returning to Tradition. I'm your host, Chris Dix, and joined with. You're better host, Emma Singletary. Yeah, she's very happy she could do her regular intro today because uh, yep. I didn't mess up the intro and we never re-record Let's because go. re-recording is for losers. All right. We're just um. good organically, guys. We don't need... Fun fact, this podcast is not edited at all. We basically just record and post. Right, Chris? Yeah, no. Um. <laughs> See, that's more embarrassing is that the product that comes out of this is a filtered conversation. Like, if people could, like, see our actual conversations. Mm. It's not completely filtered, but, you know. It's it's screened for mistakes and not really, loud cause, noises cause, like, that I come out of my noise. I can't really, like, take out, uh, take out, like, mistakes because then it doesn't flow to the next topic and i can't like i don't know take out you screaming in the middle of a sentence because then like (laughs) you don't know what the heck you just said so there's a balance here um you know it's really an art form okay and we are professionals learning how to make emma uh, sound like not an idiot is an art form guys yeah you've heard it here first all right um so yeah today we are talking about diocesan mergers we are not talking about a specific diocesan merger although reference may be made to it um but yeah we 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 aren't talking about necessarily the columbus steubenville merger um (laughs) But that that's as likely... my mom would say, this is a COA moment. Cover our thank you, Emma. Um, <laughs> so it, it's it's not uh, it, it's really probably going to be the model for what's going to happen in probably several dozen dioceses across the United States. Um, yeah, the, but the before fact... we go. The fact of the matter is is that it's necessary in a lot of places. Well, and what is it? Like, explain, I mean, I guess it's kind of self-revealing just in the word, but, like, explain what is a diocesan merger. Yeah, so it's a a combination of two dioceses completely. So uh, the two dioceses become one single diocese. Um, and that can take a couple different forms from my understanding. One is you can merge them together, uh, like Anchorage Juno uh, in Alaska did a couple years ago. Um, and so it becomes the Diocese of Anchorage Juno instead of the Diocese of Anchorage and the Ju- Diocese of Juno. In Columbus's case, it's uh, most likely that it would the Diocese of Columbus and the Diocese of Steuben will, will be merged to become the Diocese of Columbus. Um, and so it's kind of like absorbing another diocese. Um, like an amoeba. Yeah, sure. Um, and I guess maybe an amoeba is a great way to, to think about how these diocese things work. Because, uh, you know, we went out and, you know, 50-something years ago, um, the church split. The, the, they 
carved Steubenville out of Columbus, and now they're adding Steubenville back into Columbus, potentially. Um, it's kind of like so, Texas. Sure. Like, you know, them joining and then wanting to become their own country and then coming back, you know? If you say so. I mean, yeah, kind of. But, okay, what is the... But, is the purpose to, like, unite resources or is it there's too little people or is it just to grow the influence of that diocese yeah. like what is what is the purpose of these mergers and why are they needed it, it depends on the exact situation um so one of the main things the the big reason is why this is going to become probably fairly commonplace is because the the church is becoming more missionary oriented um we're mm-hmm. going back to the apostolic times. If you have read from Christendom to Apostolic Mission by Monsignor Shea or heard a talk by him on it, um, you understand what I mean by this, that the church isn't what it used to be. We're mm-hmm. trending towards or already in, depending on your point of view, uh, a post-Christian America, a post-Christian world, uh, which means that we need to be like the apostles were. We're, we're going to have to go on mission to get people back into the church. And that's the that's the weird thing. We aren't getting people into the church. We're getting people back into the church. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's the big thing. And I think something that has actually come up in a lot of conversations, and like, I'm very thankful for the conversations that we've had over Vatican II and stuff, is, um, I mean, I had like probably five conversations at home this weekend about, you know, people returning to the faith and like almost this like, I mean, you can see the Eucharistic revival and like I went to Adoration in Edmond and I mean, usually that chapel has like the two adorers that are there for the hour um, and it was like a Saturday night and there were like six young people and I was like, this is awesome. And so like there's a revival within the church, but there's been this lack of catechesis for like for like two whole generations where they just like weren't receiving and I don't want to like say across the whole church but I know like talking to like my own family like my grandparents feeling like their age group just didn't get catechized um and the catechesis that they had was like from their families it wasn't really like built religious ed programs and stuff like we're seeing now and that was just like the trickle-down effect I feel like and you can correct me if I'm wrong of Vatican too and I feel like now it's kind of like that another push to bring the church back to the people and people back to the church. Yeah, I don't I don't think there was anything wrong with the in-home catechesis and handing down the faith. That was that was very that that was the main way that it was handed down for centuries. But yeah. after Vatican II, it, it I think a lot of people well, our, our grandparents' generation in in that area, people went up everything changed. So I don't know what I was taught by my parents, so yeah. like our great grandparents, mm-hmm. and so they, they they were like, okay, well, I'm just not going to teach my kids because I don't know if what I believe is right anymore. Like, because they, because yeah. a lot of people thought that Vatican II just changed the whole way of thinking of the church when it really didn't. Yeah. Um. And so, like you said, yeah, for the past two generations, there's been virtually no catechesis. Um. And even now. The catechesis and the, the solution isn't programs. Um, yeah. And, and programs it's, are good, but it, again, it's going to have to boil down to the domestic church. And I think we've talked about the domestic yeah. church probably like 
every episode this season so far. So (laughs) it's something that I've grown to just like be very passionate about and like have had so many conversations with people in my family, outside of my family of just like how important that is. Like even in our broken homes, like to still have a place for Christ in them because that, like you said, like we are, and I completely agree. um, And I think something that we need to do is wake up and realize this is that we live in a largely post-Christian society, but we don't know it. Like, mm-hmm. the th- things that are feeding us, like, I watched High School Musical 2 yesterday, last night, and I was listening to some of the things that they were saying about, like, success and, like, getting what you deserve. And it's like, this isn't, like, this isn't Christian. This isn't, like, how we're meant to view the world. Like, and that's, like, it, but so many of these things were just, like, fed, and I was like, okay, I still love High School Musical 2. But, like, we have to be aware that those lies are being told to us inadvertently, even if they're not big, because they accumulate to like create the society. And so if we don't realize that our society's broken, then we're not going to be placing the importance that the home has in building that church. And so I think that I think you're completely right about it being a post-Christian society. And I think, like, obviously there's glimmers of hope and the hope is that, like, we return to a Christian society and we bring, like, it all back to Christ. But I think it's just so interesting to see, like, how kind of that difference of, like, the Vatican II was to bring people back to the church and now we're fighting to bring... Or it was to bring the church back to the people and now we're fighting to bring people back to the church, you know? Yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it. We could probably spend a whole episode on the domestic oh, church, <laughs> but, uh, but that's we're not, not gonna in the time. schedule, and that's not what we're talking about today. But, I, I mean, that's important. The, the things that we're talking about are uh, certainly w- the future of the church. And that, that I think the, the fact that we're in a post-Christian society is one of the main reasons for the merger. So, um, Yeah, getting, so what do you mean by, like, the missionary church? Like, yeah, so, when you say the merger for the missionary church, what do you mean by that? Our, our thought process uh, in 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 the church within the churches within the organization of the churches is going to have to change, um, and so with that, it's going to be easier theoretically the more consolidated it is. So, um, in in the case of these merged dioceses, there there's going to be more uh, centralization of resources so that. Because the people that can help the church are so few because the people in the church are few. Um, So, I mean, we got to work together to get through it. And so part of that working together is saying, well, a a place like Columbus, we have the money. We but uh, we still need a lot of help in a lot of ways. And um, like our focus in Columbus is too much on the city Um, and a place like Steubenville. They need the money. And they know how to do missionary work because they are and always yeah. have been a missionary diocese because they're in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. And so our our thought process kind of has to be the bridge between those two. And so, again, this is likely to take place throughout other dioceses, uh, a larger diocese and a smaller diocese or two medium-sized dioceses combining together, joining up, coming up. You know, all, all of the diocesan offices are going to, merge into one diocesan office for each of those dioceses. And, and theoretically, that should be able to equip pastors and catechists and and uh, other lay ministers, and especially lay ministers, uh, with the resources to mm. uh, be a missionary church. 
Yeah. Well, and that's so interesting. Like, because I think when I hear, like, the term, like, diocesan merger, I don't think about the church growing. I think about the church shrinking. And it's, like, weird to say, like, because, like, we have a church that's over a billion people strong, whether they're practicing or not. Like, there's over a billion Catholics in the world. So it's, like, to think, like, oh, like, we're getting weaker, so we have to, like, combine resources. It's, like, no, we're combining resources because the purpose of, like, the archdiocese and the diocesan idea is needing to change to fit the needs of the people today. Not necessarily, we don't have enough people in this parish. Because I think something that we've also been seeing is merging of churches themselves. And, like, I think it's hard as a Catholic to see that, and it makes you feel like your church is less strong now but you're saying that's not what's happening it's more of a shift in perspective of what we need to do is that what you're saying i i think it's a response to a thing that's already happened like our churches are already shrinking mass attendance down people's belief in the eucharist are down i mean just not as many people are going as they used to even um the the priests here at the seminary will, will talk about how uh, in the parish, if, if you're saying a wedding or a funeral, you used to not have to give instructions uh, on when to sit and mm. stand and kneel. And yeah. now you have to do that every single wedding and funeral because the people are still Catholic. So they want their Catholic funeral. They want their Catholic yeah. wedding, but they don't know the practice of the faith. And so yeah. um, the church, it, again, this is my opinion, has already shrunk and probably will mm. continue to shrink in terms of the number of active, faithful Catholics in it. Um, and so part of a response, when the church grows, we create more parishes, we create more dioceses. When the church shrinks, we, we need to have the opposite plan in place in order to recapture those souls that Send have strayed away from the church. Out. Right. I mean, Make it, it smaller so more people can go out. We, we have Not to have smaller, the proper response. To the problem it, if something's happening yeah. there's a response to that in the response to a shrinking diocese or a shrinking parish is a diocesan merger or a parish merger where you know you pull together and yeah it's gonna suck because you know when your parish gets merged to another parish uh and that's that's happening nationwide already right now and yeah. will continue nationwide probably again for this foreseeable future your parish might close. Your parish might mm-hmm. might just become an oratory or a little church that's kind of open. They might close it down completely. Who knows? And uh, people are very attached to their parishes. Um, yeah. And, and each parish does everything a little differently than the next yep. parish. <laughs> and and so it's going to take a lot of... of but two, two things I think will be very important is... Uh, one, again, from the pastoral perspective, which is kind of what I'm trying to enter into as a seminarian, is is that um, we we see what's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so we love the people as they enter, and we know that they're going to be shell-shocked, more or less, from the change that is about to happen to them, uh, yeah. or is happening, or just happened to them, depending on what state in a parish or diocesan merger that you're in. Um, and, and so, yeah, people are going to be a little apprehensive about it. Um, and at the same time, you know, you, you have to be steadfast in the truth and the faith. And so it's, it's going to be a tight 
line to walk and um i i know that there are good priests and that there are lots of them uh and the those will be the people who get us through but also the second yeah. point is we need people with open minds um if, yes. if you go into the idea of, oh, my parish is going to merge and I hate the church because they closed my parish. and the, Yeah. That's or or, OK, I'm fine that they closed my parish. But, you know, this next parish I go to better be exactly the same. Like, yeah, you can't. It's not that. it's not going to be that way. And yes, it's going to be super difficult for for that change to happen to to you and to everybody else that it's affecting it's going to be difficult even for the people whose parishes don't close because they're going to have new mm-hmm. people new cultures enter in with them and and so again having an open mind being charitable towards everybody in on paper is the best solution yeah. uh in practice well, it's it's a super difficult task well and i think like the silver lining that like Obviously, I'm never going to be a priest. I'm missing a couple aspects of myself to be able to do that. But I think something that would just be so important as, like, a parishioner and as a layperson would be to remember that, like, yes, the way things are happening, maybe, like, you know, the how the music is sung, you know, how, you know, formal or informal, like, whatever it is, like, it doesn't change the truth of what something is. Like, I had a conversation with someone about, oh, I didn't, and it was actually weird. I got to draw from the information about the auto-orientum that we had talked about last season or two seasons ago, whatever it was, um, and um, was saying, oh, I didn't like how that priest did the Eucharist, so I just didn't like it. Like, I didn't like the Mass because of that. And it's like, no, like, whatever way or whatever manner it's if it's still deigned you know holy and good by the church's standards it's still the same thing and i think that's what we have to remember like same thing as when someone gets a bad priest or a good priest you know you take the wins with the losses but you remember what is true throughout and that's the beauty of the catholic church and i think that's what we're gonna have to remember like as these things change but i think it's definitely gonna be hard for you guys, especially you, you guys are going to be walking into this. Like you kind of are inheriting this burden as priests, you know, like you weren't priests when it all started shrinking. So this will be definitely hard and you guys are going to need a lot of courage to go into that. Have you guys like had to talk about that in classes of what that looks like for you guys as future priests? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a class thing necessarily. Um, but it's, it's like more of a formation. So, so in addition to classes and seminary, we have like conferences, um, and they're kind of intermittent sometimes, you know, once a week, twice a week, sometimes a whole weekend worth of conferences and on various topics. And so, um, I, I think that's thing, a thing that all of the professors are aware of, um, in, in a thing that, yeah, probably as it becomes, more and more commonplace we'll we'll be able to talk about it more and more especially with specific situations um but really i think the best place for for pastoral growth in that area is once you become a priest and you're a parochial vicar and hopefully you know the the priest that you're paired with has great tips and insights and ways of dealing pastoral strategies to Mm -hmm. um handle that yeah fire 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 yeah 
Anything else on uh, the merging of things? Nope. I think it's very enlightening and something that I probably would not have thought about too much if we had not had this conversation. So no, I mean, I mean, it's it's not a thing that people are going to think about until it starts happening in their diocese or or to yeah. their diocese. Um, the the mergers are going to be tough and. Yeah, it's just something everybody is probably going to have to deal with within the next couple decades. And it's just how things are. Um, yep. And so I, I guess, yeah, maybe brace yourselves. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> brace I, yourselves for I, what is coming. I don't think it'll be that bad, honestly. Like, as it's going to be difficult. But in the long run, it's it's a good thing that's happening, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, I think it'll be, I mean, we, we just have to remember, like, the church is constant. It's not stagnant, and we don't want it to be. It's living, it's growing, the Holy Spirit is flowing through it. And I think, you know, when things change, people are so adverse to change. And it's hard, especially within the Catholic Church, where things have stayed the same. Because, you know, those truths don't change. Like, the truths stay the cha- same. Blech. But I think... Um, it can be hard, like, when you get that mentality of this is how it is, this is how it's always been. Like, we just got to remember that we're not living. The world is changing, so we've got to either change with it or we're going to be left behind, you know? Like, we've got to continue to grow, but not by the world standards, by the standards of the church and by the standards of God. And so, like, you know, instead of it being this really scary thing, I think, you know, it's, it's an adventure. Think of all the friends that you'll make when parishes merge, you know? Like... Double the friends, right? Maybe, maybe. I, I don't maybe. think a lot of people will see it that way, but I, I don't think so either. But you know, we can try. <laughs> I I think there will be good that will come from it, just like all things. But yeah, it's going to yeah. take a while for us to process that. Yeah, um, that's for sure. That's the faithful. That is for sure. Well, today on returning true tradition, we talked about diocesan mergers. Um, Interesting topic. Lots to talk about. Lots of fun. Um, we'll be back soon with another episode on... The uh, configuration stage. Oh, so much fun. Seminary stuff. Yeah, part three. Um, but we hope you guys have a good day. And that's it for us. Over and out. Beep! I just made a really big close. beep so you could see the lines on the audio so then you could have fun editing okay see this is why i need to come visit and hang out at the seminary because i need to understand the dynamics here all we need is me i don't know what you're talking about oh my gosh oh my gosh okay oh my gosh that's so annoying <laughs> okay, <laughs> you said you it first. <laughs>